You're listening to the Morning Buzz. To the Morning Buzz. To the Morning Buzz. The Morning Buzz on 90.3. 90.3. 90.3. 90.3 WMSC. WMSC. WMSC Upper Montclair. Upper Montclair, New Jersey. Say hello to the big, beautiful world. It is WMSC Upper Montclair with the Monday Morning Buzz. I am your host, Kyle Pepitone. Joined to, joined with me today in studio, not Ryan Breda, but instead, Caitlin Arisa Saba and our newscaster, Katrina Geiger. How are all you all doing today? Pretty good, Kyle. How how you doing? Uh, tired. It's Monday. And... <laughs> A bit sad because this one and next week are the last two spring shows for the Monday edition of the Morning Buzz. Oh my God, the semester's really ending. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, I'm not too saddened that the semester is ending. I I could really do without these next two weeks. I don't don't want to go to class anymore. But I don't want to stop doing any of the shows I do for radio. My... The final episode of my show, King's Chaos, comes out uh, this Thursday. And, you know, that's kind of depressing. Yeah. Oh, and we're doing the last episode of Weekend Wake Up, too, Kyle. That's crazy. Yeah. It's coming even, to an end. I haven't processed this information yet. I'm still in March mentally. I can't believe it's May already. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. But that's news for later time. Right now, Patrina... You have some news stories to share with us for the newscast, right? What's going on in the world today? Thank you, Kyle. So in national news, uh, according to NBC News, at 1024 Sunday morning, the debris from the rocket launched by China landed back onto Earth. The rocket rocket landed into the Indian Ocean, which is south of India. Uh, The rocket was first launched on April 29th, which was carrying the main model of the country's new space station. This is only one of the 11 rockets they have launched and could return back to Earth in an uncontrollable location. In national news, according to NBC News, uh, at around 12.18 a.m. Sunday, a man killed six, including himself, during a shooting at a birthday party in Colorado Springs. According to Colorado Springs police, the man was believed to be one of the victim's boyfriend and the victim has not been, the victims have not been identified. Children were not harmed and are, the children who were not harmed are currently in custody of their family members. And in local news, according to NJ.com, as of Sunday morning, 3,598,660 million New Jersey residents have been fully vaccinated. In total, there are 6.9 million New Jersey adults and uh, 52% of the population has been fully vaccinated. That is half of the New Jersey adult residents. The goal, according to officials, is to fully vaccinate 70% of the eligible adults in the state, which is about 4.7 million people by the end of June. And for today's weather forecast in Montclair, we got a high of 63 and a low of 46, mostly cloudy skies today and some sun peeking in around 5 p.m. And I'm going to throw it back to you, Caitlin and uh, Kyle. Wow. Well, it's good to see we're getting some sun today. It's been a bit of a dreary weekend, at least, you know, these past two days. Uh, I was caught in the rain last night uh, during one of my walks, but 
you know, some sun is always good. And now that the summer's coming in and we might be able to get out a little more than we were this time last year. So definitely something to look forward to. But we also have Matthew Bruchet here with the weekly sportscast. Matt, what is going on in the world Good morning. of sports? I'm Matt Bruchet, and here's your two-minute sports report. Over the weekend in Montclair Sports, the women's outdoor track and field team placed fifth in the NJAC championship on Saturday, while on Sunday, the men's outdoor track and field team placed fourth. Also on Sunday, the baseball team lost against Kane University in a grudge match that decided who moves on to the semifinals of the NJAC playoffs. Montclair lost 14-5. In professional sports, in the NFL, DK Metcalf ran 100-meter in 10.37 seconds at an event in which he placed 15th out of 17. While he wasn't fast enough to make the Olympics, he definitely held his own in the USA TF Golden Games. In the MLB, Jacob deGrom made his return on Sunday, but it was cut a bit short after having to be pulled with side tightness after throwing two warm-up pitches before the sixth inning. DeGrom will undergo an MRI to make sure it's not anything serious. Despite DeGrom an early exit, the Mets finished out the game and beat the Diamondbacks 4-2, while the Yankees did the Mets a favor, taking down the Nationals when they rallied in the bottom of the 10th to win the game after a John Carl Stan walk-off single. In the NBA, the Knicks took down a top Western Conference team, the Los Angeles Clippers, in a close game that ended with a final score of 106 to 100, the Knicks maintain a one-game lead over the Hawks in the playoffs for the fourth seed. Tomorrow, the Knicks will play the other Los Angeles team, the Lakers, tomorrow at 10, while the Nets will be in Chicago against the Bulls at 8. And today, in sports history, in 1913, the Yankees commit eight errors and still manage to beat the Tigers 10-9 to in a 10-inning game. Let's send it back to you guys. Awesome. Thank you very much. So we'll jump right into our first stories today. Um, this having to do with the COVID vaccine, obviously nothing new. It's been COVID news for over a year now here on the morning buzz. But over the last few weeks, we've seen Americans debating over or wondering which one of the vaccines they should be getting. But in some countries, that debate doesn't exist at all simply because there just are no vaccines in the country, period. Um, for example, uh, Chad in Central Africa has no vaccines, not even for the medical workers who are taking care of those who become infected with the COVID virus. Uh, one example or one person, Dr. Umama Jarma, uh, who works in a Chadha hospital, said, quote, I find it unfair and unjust, and it is something that saddens me. I don't even have that choice. The first vaccine that the first vaccine that comes along that has authorization, I will take it. End quote. And according to the World Health Organization, almost a dozen countries, mainly ones in Africa, still are yet to receive even a single version of the vaccine. So Chad is not the only country. There are many other countries, uh most of them around the same area uh, that have nothing to go off of at the moment. And because of this, African countries now only account for 1% of the worldwide vaccine rollout due to these shortages. With variants of the COVID strain still looming, still a looming threat, countries with a larger income and more vaccines are being encouraged to donate some of them or some of their extra doses to the countries that don't have any. 
Although Chad has only confirmed 117 deaths in total, it is unclear how accurate these numbers are because they are also countries with the least amount of means of accurately predicting these numbers. So it's really sad because you look at America and we're dealing with the whole, oh, we might not reach herd immunity and that whole crisis that's come up in the past few weeks. Uh, but then you go overseas and herd immunity was never even like a distant foresight for them because they have just nothing to protect themselves with. They, Like I said, not even the healthcare workers. It's not like, okay, we're very low on vaccines. We can only affor afford to vaccinate hospital staff and what? No, even they cannot get a vaccine because there's just not enough for almost anyone. And that's, it's un like, like um, Jarma, Dr. Jarma said, it's unfair and unjust. How can we have, what is it? Three different variations of a COVID vaccine and they can't even get one. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And I think the way, like the whole vaccine rollout has been insane too. And we've been lucky and we have, everybody over age 16 is eligible now, which is awesome, but it's just not fair in other places. Like, I feel like my own personal opinion, if we would have worked with COVID altogether, because everybody's dealing with this, like, it's not just the United States, like, it's everybody. Like, all healthcare workers, no matter where you are in the world, should have been first. Like, that's, if we're talking about, like, rollout in a general sense, of course, oh, yeah. it's not going to be like that, because everybody has their own, like, government and, like, ruling ways, but that just, it's just not fair at all. Oh, yeah. no, definitely not. Right. Yeah, because they they definitely, you're right, Caitlin, they definitely should have gotten their, um, like, healthcare workers anywhere in the world should have gotten their vaccines before anybody, since they're the ones, you know, having to deal with this every day. It's sad. Yeah, us, like, people are fighting between, like, oh, I mean, like, people are just, like, I feel like it's, like, making jokes, oh, P-Visor or, or the uh, Moderna, like, which ones they got, and they're, like, oh, this one's better than this one, uh, whatever but like it, it at least we have it you know yeah it's something right I, and well while i'm reading this story i was thinking like because we have a um there's a lot of unrest between like the people getting vaccinated and, and the large group of people not wanting to get vaccinated and i don't know how sound my, my thinking and my opinion is here but i was thinking like we are I mean, you're look, we every week we're talking about the amount of people getting vaccinated. And Petrina, you mentioned that over half of New Jersey adults have been vaccinated at this point. And I was thinking, what if we take like some of them, like just enough to cover the people who don't want to be vaccinated at the current moment, take that set of vaccines, send them off to other countries. That way, there's still pe the people who want to get vaccinated in the United States can still have the option to do so, but we're not wasting the amount for the people who don't want to get vaccinated at the current moment. Right. You under Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like that would be a great way to use the vaccine. The ones that like are, you know, going to waste for people that don't want to get the vaccine, you know, send it off to people that really want it in other countries. Right. I, I think it's more those that really need it at this point in other countries rather than want it. Cause like, I think we're at a point ish here in the United States um, where we're kind of at that, 
like I know a lot of places are requiring it now, but um, I don't know why I did air quotes there, but a lot of places are requiring it now, but we can kind of see that, okay, at this point, if you want the vaccine, you can get it. But in places like Chad, it's not that it's not an option. They need it. The healthcare workers there need these vaccines. They're dealing with people every day coming in with COVID infections and they themselves are not protected. Like I said, we don't know how accurate their numbers are because their healthcare system is not well equipped to accurately predict those numbers as well as we are here in the States. So the amount of uncertainty over there feels like they could really benefit from even a handful of vaccines. Like, for example, the U.S. has sent some of their vaccines already to Canada and India um, by Biden. And, you know, what's one more place to send them, right? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm not the president, so I don't know how easy or hard that would actually be to do. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Oh, yeah. It, def- it shouldn't be, at least. Like, that's the right. that's the big thing. And it's just crazy to think about how we're considering like concerts again and like big gatherings and reopening like new york's reopening new jersey's reopening yeah and then we have places like these that are really struggling it's just the disparity is right i mean oh sorry go ahead patrina oh no no, no. i was just gonna say like it's like uh, going on with like what caitlin said like it's really like sad how like we know we're getting ready to open up and do all this all this stuff get back to normal and like these countries are still struggling with what they've been going through through the past year right yeah exactly and it's crazy to think about because when this all started every country every continent was pretty much on the same playing field we all know nothing we're all in this together and now you're seeing some countries getting better faster others still struggling to recover and just overall we've got we've had such like different rates that the playing field is just a mountainous area right now each country is not doing their own thing that like they're still countries working together but everyone's every country's taking their own steps that are possible to them at the moment because like like we've been saying chad does not have the same amount of resources that America has. So it's not like they're doing anything wrong. They're working the best with what they have. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to say something and then it just completely left my brain. I forgot what it was. Oh, no. Um, oh, wait, I was going to talk about because you said different places like it, like imagine if we all could have worked together or stayed in that um, mindset when we were all confused and just scared and lost in the beginning. Like right. now that things are getting better, everybody's just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do my own thing now. Like it was nice talking to you. But yeah. then like places like Australia too. Australia was one of the first places that really recovered quickly, right? Like right. imagine if we all did what Australia did. Well, I mean, we talked about this last week. We're not, we, Australia probably didn't do it the best way because last week uh, we were talking about them, how they closed their borders off to their own residents who were in India. Oh my and- God. Yeah. So like anybody who was a resident of Australia who was in India was not allowed to go home. And it was it was a federal offense to do it. They could have faced jail time and fines. So that's really extreme. They recovered quickly. um, But 
they've always had like very strict border control. So mm -hmm. it's very up there. Like if we like in America, if we had done the same thing, it's very speculative whether everybody would have would have agreed on that methodology. True. Right. I mean, there's no perfect way either. That's the thing. Yeah. And the problem is, like, it's new. It's completely unknown. We don't know everything about this. So we were kind of caught blindly um, when this whole thing hit because it's not like it's the flu and stuff. We kind of know what's going on. This just came out of nowhere, came out of completely left field. And we're like, okay, the numbers are growing, but we're still trying to figure it out at the same time. And it... We, everybody's got their hands full and then not to mention uh when it started um president trump's uh term was coming to an end so there was also the election to worry about here and you know every like like we said 2020 was just a long list of disasters that probably should not have happened all at the same time right yeah like i don't i i, I was gonna say something i totally forget now but <laughs> it's contagious <laughs> Great oh. morning. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like the like having the borders closed off, like at, in Australia, and then having like um, like uh, they open up that the borders back, and then they can have people coming in, and it just spreads all over again. I just feel like there was no, there's no point. Like there's a point, but like again, there's also like it's easy to just spread back around again. Right. You know. And since like their borders were closed off, they, cause you can like completely isolate yourself from the virus, but like, let's say a country was completely unaffected by coronavirus. Like they didn't have a single case from the start of this zero deaths, nothing. That's all well and good. But if you open up the country to people outside again, they still have whether they're cured or not, they'll still have remnants of the virus. And now you're completely unprepared for this. So I'm not saying this is a good thing at all, but you definitely need some exposure to build some kind of defense against it. Right. Yeah. That, that makes the most sense. So. Right. And that's kind of where that herd immunity comes in. And we'll talk a little bit about this later, but like you need people to have some sort of defense, whether that be exposure uh, or vaccination or treatment in order to get, be able to cope with it. Kind of like the flu. We had a, the flu had a horrible pandemic about a hundred years ago and it's not gone completely. We still have the flu, but now we can manage it. We know how to deal with it and it's no longer as deadly as it was when it was for when people first came in contact with it wait does that mean like the flu we don't have herd immunity with the few that the flu oh my god words with the flu then because people can still get it is that what that means i don't think so entirely because the flu is still contagious but i think if nobody was able to get it then it just wouldn't be a disease anymore so herd immunity is the instance when people receive protection from a disease or virus so that doesn't help too much, but I, I still, I believe that herd immunity still means you can get it like herd immunity. Okay. And this it's is not from as Google. deadly. Yeah. So this like, is from, like the flu. yeah. Uh, and I'm going to read something from Mayo Clinic here. 
quote, herd immunity occurs when a large portion of a community, parentheses, the herd, becomes immune to a disease, making the spread of the disease from person to person unlikely. Okay. So it's still contagious, just not. So in other words, we have herd immunity against the flu. So the transmission isn't as contagious as COVID is at the current moment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. It's it a weird like instance. Cause like herd immunity, it sounds like it's never a thing anymore, but it actually means it's just less of a thing, not gone completely. It's very hard to understand if you break it down. Yeah, I mean, I think COVID will definitely turn into one of those things where, like, later on in life, right. you know, it's heightened during the winter, kind of like we have a flu season. Right, exactly. And then, like, it'll be better, but it's always going to be there. Like, there's no way we're going to be able to just get rid of it. Oh, yeah, I've, I've known, like, I've speculated from, like, the start, like, this is soon, this is just going to become, you know, another disease this is just another flu at some point uh the only thing is now it's probably going to be a lot later than sooner that that happens yeah yeah and i just feel i feel like things won't completely go back to normal it's not going to be as sad as it is to say it's not going to be completely normal right. i mean there's definitely going to be people that are still going to want to keep on the mask which is totally fine right. um, there's just you're going to see more of that and um there's, there's going to be like a difference. I feel like at like hot, highly crowded areas, like right. I feel like there's not going to be as many like, uh, like people at like concerts or like whatever people are going to want to like distance themselves anyway. Yeah. I think there's going to be a sense of, <clears throat> sorry, a larger sense of precaution in the air. I think, uh, when things go back to quote unquote normal, there's still going to be people like you said people who prefer to wear the mask even though i believe at some point it'll no longer be a requirement i think it'll just mm -hmm. be left up to personal preference some point in the future right that's yeah. true yeah i mean i know a lot of people like i've talked about this with my friends and most people that i've spoken to say that even when they say we don't have to wear masks like they're probably still going to do it for a while I think I think our just all of our mentalities have changed about it too. the way we look at public places and just being around people we don't know is a lot right. different than it used to be. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. true. It's so crazy how like a year ago I always like think about this though like thinking about how like we actually people used to actually like drink out of like water fountains like you know what I mean like that's just <laughs> so crazy to think about now like our sense of like like I don't know we just think so differently now than we did like a whole year ago you know what I mean. Yeah. Water I mean, fountains it, is an interesting example. I feel like my big thing that I've noticed a lot is when you go out in public, like let's say you go and pick up fast food and then you like eat in your car and you don't think about what you've done or touched in that time that you're eating in your car. Is that like a weird thing to think of? I feel like I'm so hyper aware of that now. Like I put hand sanitizer on so much in a day. I definitely do that too. Yeah. I, I, I just find it weird because it seemed like, like, when this first hit and everybody was crazy, go wash your hands, don't touch your face, all that. It's like, were people not doing that before? That was always my thing, like at the start of this pandemic. Like, were people not washing their hands? Before? Yeah, like, why is everybody making a big deal about this? It should be part of the daily routine. Right. <laughs> That's true. But I'm, it's like, sadly, it's not, it's not, I guess. I, people I are. really don't know. I, I hope it's more 
prominent in people's lives now than apparently it was a year ago, but you know, I'm not one to judge. Right. Yeah. I mean, people should definitely be washing their hands. It's super important. I just, I remember like seeing something on an article where it was like washing your hands too much can get you sick. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, I mean, you must be washing your hands a massive amount to get sick off of it, you know? Yeah. But I, I mean, like you should be washing your hands a good amount that it's not going to make you sick, but it's, but it's going to prevent the virus. (laughs) Yeah. I I know like washing your hands too much could be, could like contribute to like dry skin. Right. But I didn't know you could get sick from it. Is that because like your body won't fight any germs at all? Like if you go into the world that you can't. That's that's what it. I might. That's what I'm thinking. That seems to be yeah. the like logic behind it. Like if you're super clean, you have zero defense, which is which is part of where this like this is where like herd immunity comes in because it's not just vaccination. Like the definition was, you don't have to be just vaccinated to reach it. You can also yeah. get it. You can also reach herd immunity by exposure because the body will naturally fight it off or naturally adapt to fighting off the foreign pathogens. See, but this is really okay. So the herd immunity thing is really interesting to me. I know we said we're going to talk about it later, but this article is from NJ.com, and it says New Jersey may never reach herd immunity from COVID, and that that in itself, like reading that headline, is just like okay, that's crazy because I think we all hoped at one point that was going to happen, but with the vaccines. And I know our general manager, Annabella, has said, like, talked to, like, doctors and stuff and has told us that they say that either you get vaccinated or you're going to end up getting COVID. So how in that way would that not contribute to herd immunity eventually? Like, that's what I was thinking. Right. And I, I reading this article, I was actually very surprised because when I read it, I'm like, OK, it's just going to say, you know, more and more people don't want the vaccine. And that's yeah, why we'll never get that this. was my first thought, too. <laughs> but I it says that, like, researchers just like are not sure. Like I said, this whole disease has been unknown from the start. And like two of the other reasons why we might not, why New Jersey might not reach herd immunity is because statistics are unsure how infectious COVID is between vaccinated people and uncertainty of how long vaccine immunity lasts. And like I just mentioned in the definition from Mayo Clinic, a big thing about herd immunity is it's less likely to be transferable, not gone completely. So if they have no idea how infectious it is among the, uh, what was it? 3.2 million who have been vaccinated, they can't gauge how much we're going to be safe from this. That's true. It's And also, like you said, uh, they're uncertain for how long vaccine immunity lasts. Right. And like, I know we're like talking about booster shots and everything post of like your first second dose whichever vaccine you get or if you get the j and j um but it's just uh i lost a chain of thought again and <laughs> it's, a, it's a rough monday <laughs> monday morning everybody um oh just the fact that like we don't know anything like if you get we don't know the long-term effects of anything and we're not going to know that for ever like till right. we have children like years later we're not going to know yeah. long-term side effects for any of this so it's just like yeah exactly a big thing my marketing teacher said to me in high school is like where the generation growing up with all these phones and stuff and we don't know how it's going to affect us until later on like we don't know how bad sitting close to a tv screen could be 
until, you know, later on when we have time to measure the long-term effects. And I think this is something very similar. We can't measure, like, although this year has seemed very long, we can't measure all the long-term effects just from this one specific period of time. Because in the grand scheme of things, this has been a tiny, minuscule dot on the timeline of this entire world. Yeah. You, you just reminded me of something, not to get off track, but you reminded me of something when you said we, like, we don't know the effects of um, like what your marketing teacher told you. Because the other day I had this conversation with my friend, and it's not COVID-related, but just in terms of effects of things. Right. Apparently, like a lot of people our age have been diagnosed with ADHD, and she said that it could be like contributed to the fact that our generation grew up with a lot more uh, technology and like phones and stuff like that at a younger age. Although I do think because the three of us are sophomores, I think that uh, our generation was very in between because I remember not having commute computers and stuff. So we right. were we were in that transition phase. But I thought that was interesting. Like I never even considered the fact that like us right now is really showing what the right. effects of all that stuff when we were little. Right. I, and I think um like we definitely this the generations going onward definitely are going to have a lot shorter of an attention span i mean you can't put an app and i don't want to get too off topic so i'm just going to say this but you can't put an app where the longest video is six seconds and expect that to have no long-term effects on attention span yeah <laughs> yeah for sure yeah that but is true. being said back to the whole herd immunity thing Another big thing that we're starting or that researchers are starting to worry about is the percentage of the population that would need to be vaccinated in order for herd immunity to take effect. There's a bunch of different magic numbers going around. Uh, I think the last one I heard was 70% was the end all be all of it. But Brian L. Strom, the chancellor of Rutgers Biomedical and Health Sciences, said, quote, it's all speculation. There are some diseases you can do at 60%, 70%, or 90%, but we don't know for this disease, end quote. And I mean, if that's just not the COVID thing in a nutshell, we don't know, then I don't know what is. <laughs> because, you know, like he, like he just said, the herd immunity rates are different for any disease you put out. So we have nothing to even go off of. We have no concrete set pattern or anything that could be like, okay, this is a very similar disease. It might be around here, but this one is also similar, but it's more, it's at more 90% than 60. And then I can't imagine researchers are keeping a sane mind right now, trying to figure all of this out. No. Yeah. They're definitely, I mean, they're definitely all over the place. It's definitely a hard time for them. Um, but they're, I mean, still trying to figure out like, things of the vaccine like aspects of it and whatnot and you know it it is what it is but right and you know because of this it's it's speculated and i've been using that word a lot but that we're probably gonna be living this pandemic lifestyle that we had for the last year just for a, at least a little while longer you know stuff like continue social distancing mask in public places. And the big thing that I've been really um, hooked on for these last few weeks is remote learning and remote working. Like we're still gonna be doing it from home. And 
for a little bit longer, it's not going to be out of choice just yet. Or yeah, it's not going to be out of choice just yet. It's going to be out of necessity almost. Right. Kind of like how it was at the very start. Yeah. Like, I mean, Montclair, we're going back to campus in the fall, which is great. Um, I know there are some options for online and, you know, that's, that's how, that's just how it's going to be. There's always right. going to be that option because. Yeah. I, I didn't actually know like what the deal with Montclair is. I thought like they were doing all in person or no, uh, all in person, no other option, but I guess that's not the case. Cause I can't imagine many people would be happy with being forced to go to in-person classes. Well, there's a petition for more online options because Montclair does want to be completely in-person in the fall. So they're right. not going to offer a lot of virtual. The only way you can take an all virtual schedule is if you have like a specific health reason right. that you need to and you have to tell them. So I know that they really want everybody back and vaccinated. But I, there was, I saw a petition going around that was yeah, like, Montclair needs to offer more virtual classes. But I mean, everybody's just trying to get back to right. the way it used to be. So it's like this really interesting... I mean, even in a normal sense, like I think Montclair could benefit from offering more uh, asynchronous classes where like I I took a a philosophy class over the winter semester. And I don't know if this was because of COVID or not, but we never actually met in person. The teacher had podcasts for the lectures that he put up on Anchor and we listened to them there. And then we would answer a discussion board and that was class for the day. So I think more of those, especially during the summer and winter semesters, I think Montclair could benefit from them, uh, even outside of a COVID sense. Yeah, those are my favorite types of classes because I like asynchronous work. I like yeah. just when I when I have time and I just, it's consistent, you know what you have to do, you just get it done. And I- Oh I, yeah, I was done by with my schoolwork by like 6.20 a.m. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, you're up so early in the morning. <laughs> understand how you're just awake <laughs> the i mean the alarm really helps waking me up it's very annoying <laughs> um but yeah i have two asynchronous classes now and i'm taking a summer course and the summer one i enjoy the fact that it's asynchronous and i took a winter course that was asynchronous too but it's also all during covid times so i don't know what it was like before right. but i think yeah. it's amazing to have asynchronous classes yeah it- i I definitely enjoy the asynchronous too. I have two um, this semester and then I'm taking one in the summer. And then I actually, I'm actually taking one in the fall. That's my only online class in the fall. So then I only, I think I only have like one class to go to a day, which is totally fine with me, but yeah, I enjoy those. But Montclair can definitely benefit off of those um, online classes, whether pandemic related or not. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And even, I'm, I'm going to end it off with this, but the, an asynchronous class is a entirely different experience. Yeah. It is not even remotely close to a in-person class. And let me rephrase that. An asynchronous class is not even remotely close to not only in-person classes, but online classes as well. They're, they're three completely different experiences. Yeah, that's... Correct. Definitely. Well, hopefully uh, New Jersey's and just the world transmission rates begin to lower and we can get vaccines to other places. But we're going to take a break and we'll be back with some non-COVID news. 
America is kept safe because the Army National Guard responds, protects, and supports our nation when it needs them most. The Army National Guard responds to disasters such as wildfires and floods. They protect us with missile defense, cybersecurity, and civilian support teams for chemical, biological, and radiological hazards. Be there for your community and your country. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the New Jersey Army National Guard. Aired by the New Jersey Broadcasters Association and this station. Hey, you're listening to 90.3 WMSC, Upper Montclair, where music stays cool. Cooler than a dog on a skateboard. Okay, I take that back, but we're still pretty cool. You are listening to 90.3 WMSC, Upper Montclair. And welcome back, everybody, to 90.3 WMSC, Upper Montclair, and the Monday edition of The Morning Buzz. I am your host, Kyle Pepitone, joined with me today. Caitlin Alicisabal in studio. I'm just filling in for Ryan. (laughs) And our newscaster. Petrina Geiger. How are you guys doing today? Good. That was a productive conversation I feel like we just had. That was fun. Yeah, no, I I definitely think... We, it started off a little depressing overseas, but I think we turned it around a little bit. Um, well, I mean, the lack of herd immunity was still, you know, not on a great note, but I think we saw the bright side of it. Or, like, we, we found the silver lining. But anyway, enough about COVID. We have some more, we have some interesting stories to talk about today, mainly the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Caitlin, do you want to talk about this one? Sure, sure. So this is from uh, USA Today. Uh, Kentucky Derby winner Bob Buffaret, okay, words, accused of doping after horse tests positive for, how do you say this, beta-methasone? Beta-methasone, yeah. Beta-methasone, okay. So after winning the Kentucky Derby on May 1st, Medina Sprint has tested positive for beta-methasone, which is... Um, a second test is required to see if the horse will be disqualified, and I'm pretty sure it's an anti-inflammatory yes. drug. Does that make the horse faster? Is that what that means? No, I know. Like anti-inflammatory is like a health thing. Yeah, that was my first thought because I remember reading that notification in my phone because I get like the news notifications, right. and I was like, "What if he like hurt himself and he was just like, I don't know." Right. Well, it's important to mention that it's using it is not illegal it's permitted you just can't use it day of the race which oh, okay in and of itself is probably still uh risky per se like uh-huh. what if well i mean if the horse got hurt race day probably wouldn't be best to race it at all true well hopefully it's not from the day out because they're still waiting on the results so i that, guess we'll right. find out about that but oh yeah they um they said like the first results came in, I think. And then the second results, I believe they said are coming in Friday. Okay. Yes. And that, that'll tell us if the horse will be disqualified. So if the horse is disqualified, then runner up Mandaloon will be yes. the will winner. Crown the winner. Yeah. Although Mandaloon's trainer, Brad Cox declined that comment, even though, uh, that's apparently what the regulations are. 
but you know, I mean, it remains to be seen. And I guess a big thing about this uh, would be, you know, people who bet on Medina Sprint. How's that going to turn out? Because people are not very happy when they lose money. Mm-hmm. So what would that mean per se for, um, you know, the fact that this horse may be disqualified, not because of, you know, um, doping, I believe it's called, but because, you know, the horse was in pain. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, like people, I don't think people are going to feel for the horse either. People are selfish. So they're just going to care about their money and they'll probably just be upset about that. They'll probably be really mad at whoever gave the drug to the horse, but. Well, according to Medina Sprint's trainer, uh, Bob Barf, uh, ba- Baffert, Bob Baffert, sorry. Um, he said that the positive test was, quote, a complete injustice. And uh, continuing to quote the USA Today article, uh, saying Medina Sprint never has been treated with beta methazone. He said, he said he will conduct his own investigation and comply with this KHRC. Yikes, saying letters hard, uh, by the way, end quote. So now you have to bring in the fact that he's claiming that the horse would never use, the horse was never treated with this anti-inflammatory medication. Wait, so like that's the trainer? Does the trainer not know who gave, like the train, was the trainer not aware that the horse was given something then? I guess so, because... In a news conference on Sunday, and this is from our producer, Amanda, um, in a news conference Sunday morning, Baffert said that the horse tested positive for 21 picograms of betamethasone. 11 picograms is above the legal limit in Kentucky racing. NBC affiliate WLEX of Lexington reported shortly afterward, reported shortly afterward, Churchill Downs, which hosts the Derby, announced his suspension. Oh, and we're just and, about the disqualification. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting to note Churchill was the one who stated that uh, Madeloon would take the winning spot if Medina Sprint was disqualified. So it seems like there's a little something deeper here than just a horse was using medication on race day, as we have been reading. What do you think about this now? I feel like as we're explaining this and just trying to figure everything out, it's, I'm just thinking of a movie and I'm trying to think of behind the scenes, like these people arguing about the horse and right. just trying to investigate and figure out. I don't know. In my mind, a whole movie is playing, but that's right. Point. Yeah, but apparently, and this is also from our uh, producer, it isn't Baffert's first drug testing scandal. Oh my God. Medina Sprint is the fifth horse to fail a drug test in the past year oh my god according to nbc of course um i feel like this is a mystery novel and every update we get just keeps unraveling the plot yeah we're just trying to find like the the i guess main bad person or like the person (laughs) behind it all and it's just it's first this person is like no there's this person yeah i don't know what to believe anymore i mean the fact that churchill said oh madeline will take the place of the winner if medina sprint is 
um, disqualified, but then also announces his suspension is kind of suspicious. But then Baffert saying, oh, Medina Sprint was never treated with uh, beta-methasone. Then having four other horse drug scandals in the past year. It's, there are a lot of, there's a whole web of lies going on right now. I I personally feel sad for the horses having to, you know, go through all of it. Exactly. (laughs) I mean. So sad. Yeah, they're not, I, I doubt the horses are having a great time. I mean, I obviously they don't get paid a salary, but they're, they're it's like their livelihoods are on the line. Really? Yeah. Horses. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I have, I, I don't know what to say right now. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll just wait for more updates. I want to know if he's going to be disqualified. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, the second test has to come in before that can be determined i believe but even still like if it does come in you're gonna you have to wonder like with everything else surrounding this is it accurate like is it a true positive test or is you know is something else going on behind the scenes that is a bit more sinister yeah i mean the uh, horse racing world seems like a crazy place so Right, it's yeah, a little, true. and the horses are so innocent. Yeah, it's definitely like an intense sport. Is it a sport? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, people ride on the horse, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I assume so. It's not right, just like yeah, the horse, like running. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's um, horses, and then there's jockeys that uh, ride the horse around the track. I believe yeah. that's how it works no matter what. I don't that's think a sport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I, I I if we had Matt, I get I we we could get his opinion, but he's he has unfortunately left it for the day. But you know, I mean it's interesting, I guess. Just this whole story as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But I was trying to think of a transition to our next other odd story and I I'm not mm, that's not there. I mean yeah, I mean, like, I this story has just devolved into so much mystery and like shocking reveals. But oh, mystery an- discovery <laughs> bones. Disco- yes, okay. another shocking reveal is that archaeologist Archie Archaeologist, help me, please. Just your facial reactions. You're like, is this really happening right now? Archaeologists. Thank you. <laughs> Archaeologists have found Neanderthal remains in a cave system near Rome. So archaeologists have reco- have discovered the remains of nine Neanderthals just south of Rome. The oldest of the bones dating back to 90,000 and 100,000 years ago, and the youngest dating between 50,000 and 68,000 years ago. Among the remains, uh, skulls, skull fragments, teeth, and other bones were found just 60 miles southeast of Rome in the Guattari Cave in San Felice, Circeo. Now, Neanderthals have been around or have gone extinct roughly 40,000 years ago, but part of their DNA is still resides within modern humans. So this uh, archaeologist have said that this cave system, these findings have 
marked a major significant point in the history of Neanderthals. And among the bone fragments, it was also discovered uh, fossilized remains of animals such as hyenas, rhinos, and giant deer. And upon reading that last one, I don't know if I ever want to come across a giant deer. When I think of that, I think of just like a moose, you know? Yeah, some, yeah, something like that. Something you really wouldn't want to jump in front of your car in the middle of the night. Scary. Ooh. Ah. That's, thinking of anything bigger than a deer, because deers really can mess up your car if you if that you hit a deer oh my god oh, I, didn't yeah. know, I didn't even want to say hit a deer okay <laughs> i just felt really bad about that but if you right. do if you do get into an accident and with a deer like that they can ruin your car so anything bigger than that would be crazy oh yeah but you know archaeologists they had a, they had a good day i feel like it, I, maybe this is just not true but i feel like it's probably they probably have a lot of slow days digging archaeologists so when you find something like it's Ah, yeah. that's really exciting. I mean, I'm happy for them. Yeah, I mean, this excavation of this site, the excavation of this site specifically <laughs> um, started back in uh, 2019. And uh, before that, these caves have never been dis uh, discovered before or excavated. So coming up with this um, discovery is amazing because uh, what they said is that Archaeologists said, and this is to quote from the NPR article, uh, the cave, which has been closed off by ancient earthquake or landslide, perfectly preserved the environment of 50,000 years ago. Oh. So this cave system, until 2019, has not been touched by anything at all, according to this article. And that is just amazing because think about everything that goes on in the earth 90 percent of which and that's not an accurate stat but 90 percent of which we can't control like as humans it's out of our hands to have it untouched and perfectly preserved for for every event that has happened for fifty thousand years can you imagine how weird that much how much of a disconnect that must be between then and now yep that's when you think of it like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> yeah, exactly like i saw this article i was so interested i'm i love hearing about like oh we got all these new scientific discoveries and then oh we found something that proved humans had six rows of teeth obviously no. nothing like that <laughs> has been discovered but just um like thinking about like how different organisms and uh, creatures, humans, animals, all that lived so long ago and how we've gotten to where we are today yeah. is mind boggling. No, it is. That is it's insane. Like how, like honestly, how, how do we get here to where we are today? I know. And like 50,000 years is a very long time. Keep in mind where we don't know, like a, at some point that becomes speculation. We don't know everything in those 50,000 plus years. And to think we have all this information of just even the last hundred years to go back so far and be like, yeah, we don't got a clue. And we're still trying to figure this stuff out is 
I'm running out of adjectives, but it's fascinating to me. Yeah, that is pretty cool, though. Like, just to be able to find something that's that old and, like, so, like, basically new in our sense. Like, we were, like, looking at something that's new, but it's old. Exactly. (laughs) It's so old, yet to us, it's the newest discovery we have. Yeah, that's pretty cool, though. It must be so exciting to be like, oh, wow, an old fossil, 50,000 years. Right. I, I mean, and like Neanderthal skulls were covered, were discovered in 1939. And the fact that we're still coming up with new stuff in new places, because let's be honest, how often do you think of the, well, obviously Rome wasn't built uh, not only in a day, but also <laughs> 50,000 years ago. But it's so weird to think about that because you think of Rome now and at least to me it's like oh rome has always been there it's so old but then it's and then you hear neanderthals uh remains discovered near rome's and you're like that doesn't line up with my understanding of history at all (laughs) and then you and then if you take into account you know the time difference between the two things you're like it kind of makes sense but i never think about that like that area specifically as having any prehistorical significance but i have been proven wrong Yes, this is true. Crazy. So that's all I have to say about the discovery of these bones. But we have our end segment host, Emma Coughlin here, here to talk about some more hot takes. Uh, Emma, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Good morning. Morning. How? We're, we're doing pretty good. At least myself. I can't speak for everybody. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Good. There's been some interesting stories. I'm liking the Neanderthal one. It's interesting. I'm a history buff, so like it oh, a lot. Cool. So, um, what do you think about this then? Um, I don't know. I mean, it kind of just like blows your mind. Um, I actually have been to Rome, and like being in the presence of things that are that old is like really mind-boggling. Yeah. So I'm just sort of trying to imagine what it would be like to like be near something like that and be like like oh to god. actually discover it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like be like oh my god it's that old um but yeah i mean good for them hopefully yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. hopefully they're appreciating it i'm sure they are yeah. um but yeah so today i want to talk about and patrina actually already talked about this in her newscast um but the rocket that fell to earth over the weekend um but before i talk about that um i want to play this quick little clip from um snl um let's see if i we could just listen to it i'm colin jost um i don't know if you guys were following the news today but a space rocket that was spinning out of control just minutes ago crashed into the ocean and for once we know it's not elon's fault (laughs) a lot of people have been wondering why is he hosting our show and now we know it's because he needed an alibi So for those of you who don't know, Elon Musk um, hosted SNL over the weekend, which was very strange. um, And he was really boring and it wasn't very good. um, I'm sorry, that's so funny. (laughs) I'm just trying to, I love SNL and I didn't get a chance to watch because I was with my mom for Mother's Day and we were just hanging out. And I, I cannot picture Elon Musk hosting SNL and I cannot wait to see that. (laughs) I 
I um, can't imagine how he can be boring because he has such a internet status. I, I guess that doesn't translate into real comedy, I guess, meme status. But just my preconceived perception of him from all the stuff on the internet, it's just, it's such a dichotomy to hear that you thought he was boring. I mean, obviously everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I mean, I, I don't know. I'm more, um, I like it better when it's like a musical artist or an actor or somebody who like, I, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. He's a, a, a hand in entertainment. Right. He's an entrepreneur. He's not a he's not yeah. a comedian. So it does make sense. But just the way he's portrayed on the internet, just it made a disillusion for me. Yeah. I mean, it's all fine. Really, the reason I wanted to talk about this um, is that, and it's sort of fitting that Elon hosted SNL. Oh. Amanda uh, <laughs> just shared a lovely picture of Elon Musk dressed as Wario from Saturday night. Um, looking good, Elon. <laughs> I, I'm not, okay, that, that picture just came out of nowhere and I don't know how to, I don't know what to say about that. That was, um, that, that was something. Me. That scared me, I, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, but it's sort of fitting, at least for me, that this all happened in the same weekend because this whole rocket thing has got me thinking like, and I used to just not really care about space travel. Like I liked it. It it was interesting, but I was just kind of like, whatever. But as I get older and y'all are free to disagree, agree with me. I don't think we should be going to space. Like particularly people like, you know, there's this new space race with the billionaires, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. And I just feel like, okay, you have all this money. Fine. Whatever. Can you maybe try and fix what's happening here rather than trying to figure out what's up there? And I know that their argument for it is we're trying to make it so that we don't have to depend on Earth. Okay, fine. But we really can depend on Earth, but we just need a little bit of help and you have the financial resources to do that. So why don't you take those financial resources and help here? instead of trying to get us off, because that's going to take a really long time. It wouldn't take that much to sort of stall climate change a little bit if you have the money, and they do. So I don't know. That's just my opinion. Um, And then there's also problems like space junk falling from the sky, which I know that it's very rare that someone's actually going to get hurt from it, which is good. But, you know, the more things that go into space, the more likely it is that gonna fall on somebody so i I don't know i just i've been struggling with it but i'm i'm happy to hear everybody's opinions on this well going back to the space race thing i didn't know jeff bezos was involved in this new space race against the Musk. but if i had to put my money on anything i'd probably say jeff bezos would probably be better i mean he's got next day delivery so he's probably (laughs) gonna get there quicker (laughs) but Overall, in, I'm I'm very interested in space, but the thought of it scares me because think about how vast it is and it makes you realize how like insignificant you are in the grand scheme of the universe. So I, I very much agree with you that, you know, I agree with them that like, hey, we don't have to depend on Earth and it'd be cool to go up there. But at the same time, I don't think we should be putting so much resources into it like 
everything they're doing is outstanding. It's fascinating coming up with all this technology, the Teslas, the rockets, everything Elon's done is just way beyond my comprehension. But yeah, I think some of the finances can still go to improving this world before we start going off to other ones. Like, I, I feel like they have enough money and resources to work on both simultaneously at equal measures. Yeah. Yeah. You could be right about that too. I mean, Emma, oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, I didn't even think about it till you like said it. Like you're so right. Like the, I mean, even though like, I mean, in a way I would like to know more about space, but we should be focusing on like, you know, earth right now and like using more of that fine like that financial resources to like you know help our earth maybe make that better since it will take a quicker time to like you know progress that and to think about it we know more about the ocean which i'm not going to get into in depth because i can go on forever um we know more about space than the ocean so i'm just it's just insane to me. I'm not going to get into it because I could just I go forever. I, I hate the thought of that. I do not like the ocean at all. It's I terrifying. Agree. I agree with you. I think it's way scarier than, scarier than space because it's right there and we literally know nothing about it. But you did make a good point there, Patricia. Like, yes, I am very interested in space. And every time like we find out something new, I'm like, that's really interesting. And I, I enjoy looking into that stuff. But at the same time, it's like we have to look at this realistically and right. realistically if we don't figure this out soon we're all screwed so yeah True. but anyway yeah so good job elon musk on snl it's great um yeah <laughs> we appreciate you here at wmsc um upper montclair but um yeah i wish you would uh Maybe do something a little different. So if you can hear me out there, Elon. Well, that's with that being said, that is all we have for you today on the Monday edition of the Morning Buzz. We specifically will be not be back tomorrow, but there will be new hosts and new stories tomorrow. Monday, I'm sorry, the morning buzz is part is on eight to nine every weekday followed by the weekend wake up on Sunday. I have been your host, Kyle Pepitone, joined with Caitlin Arisisawa, our newscaster, Katrina Geiger, and our end segment host, Emma Coughlin. We will see you all next time. Have a great day, everybody.